Hey, podcast listeners, Pastor Freddie T here. Christmas is almost here, and I pray that your Christmas season is filled with great joy. Today is part two of an interview with my parents, Freddie Wyatt Sr. and Mary Coleman Wyatt. I think you're going to love it. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go back, listen to part one, then listen to part two. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. And we are back with part two of an interview with my parents, Freddie Thomas Wyatt Sr. and Mary Coleman Wyatt, thank you guys for being on the podcast. You're welcome. You having fun yet? Oh, yes. Loads of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Here's here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. Uh, I just turned 46, so I've been your son 46 years. And every time I'm around you, Dad, I hear a new story that I haven't heard before. And I'm amazed. I'm like, how have I not heard this story before? So you're just an endless well. I can't believe how well you remember things. No comment. Did All you right. ever have a feeling that sometime he just made it up? No. Oh. No. Okay. I, no. Maybe exaggerated, but never made it up. <laughs> okay, you guys got engaged. How long was your engagement? Uh, six months. And then you got married. Yep. Um, what do you remember about your wedding day? The maid of honor is supposed to have your ring. Yes. Is that right? Uh, I would say the I would say the the grooms the best man yeah is supposed to have the rings. Whoever was supposed to have the ring <laughs> yeah didn't have it. Oh wow! And was like, I don't have the ring. Yeah. To in the ceremony in the cer- during the wow. ceremony. And my baby sister Cindy yes ran down the stairs to the basement of the church. Okay. To get the ring. Was she a bridesmaid? No. Okay. She was six years old. Oh, wow. Okay. And so she had to go and get the ring yeah. and bring it back and pass it off to whoever it was. That's awesome. That Way to go, Cindy. Yeah. What do you remember most about your wedding day? Um, I think it was a simple ceremony. Uh, when we left the church, it was in the afternoon and our honeymoon was supposed to have been at uh, Kentucky Dam Village, long way from here. <laughs> it was about an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, maybe two, maybe two, two hours. hours. Yeah, and uh, it snowed on our honeymoon. But as far as the ceremony, it was simple and uh, it was beautiful. What day did you get married? What's your wedding? Sunday. I mean, what what what's the date of your ninth, wedding anniversary? January the ninth. January ninth, before your birthday, that month, January ninth, and it snowed on your honeymoon. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Didn't bother us newlyweds though. What was your first? What job? happened to the car? The they painted the car up. You know, yeah, they yeah. put the cans the on the back sure. end and all of that. Yeah. But they put something on Limburger the... cheese. Yeah. Yeah, Limburger cheese yeah. in the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And we yeah. got down the road, started smelling this yeah, awful yeah, yeah, smell. Yeah. yeah, Google Limburger cheese. Um, okay, when you guys got married, what did you have a job? 
Yeah, I was uh, had just let's see, sixty six. Yeah, I had I was working. Did you guys live in Clarksville or Nashville after you got married? Here. Okay. Uh, Where were you working? I was working at the time at Jenkins and Wynn selling cars. Okay. What did you have a job, Mom? I worked for then it was Southern Bell. Okay. Which became South Central Bell. Okay. Which became Bell South. How long before? Yeah. Which became, <laughs> which became AT and T. How long before you got married did you start working there? I started working there in September of '64. Yeah. I was registered to start Austin P. Okay. Uh, my family really couldn't afford tuition. I yeah. wasn't smart enough to get a scholarship. That's and incorrect. Someone said you need to go to work at the telephone company. So I went and applied, and I got accepted the week before I was supposed to start Austin P. Okay. And started work at the telephone company in September of 64. How many years total did you work at the telephone company? Total. Total, 21 years. Yeah. But I worked there until Diana was born in 73. And I took a leave, maternity leave, and you could extend it up to a year, which I ended up extending to a year. And then I resigned because I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And so I didn't work then for... Ten years. No, longer than that because Freddie T was 10 when I went back to work. Okay. Okay. You were at Jenkins and Wynn selling cars. What was your next job, Dad? Did you guys move Bull, to Nashville for Bull a year? Harrison. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't really enjoy the car business. Uh, like, you, you've got to be built for it. Sure. And I what wasn't. was your next job? Uh, I became a grocery salesman with this uh, 100-year-old company named Bolin Harrison and Company. Uh, Is that when you guys moved to Nashville? No. No. What? When did you guys move to Nashville? mid-70s okay just for a year maybe a year and a half okay two years okay mom when you decided to be a stay-at-home mom was that the norm in the culture is that what most women probably more normal than now yeah but not the norm i had a lot of friends who carried their children to daycare okay and um i felt fortunate not to be forced to work yeah. or had that burning desire to work. Yeah. I think a lot of people work because they just make feel that that's what they're supposed to do. And I just never did. Yeah. Let me rewind just a little bit um, to you guys growing up. Um, did you guys, mom, did your family attend church regularly? My mother did. What church? Uh, Cumberland Drive. Cumberland Drive Baptist Church, mm-hmm. which is located at Crossland Avenue Baptist Church now. Correct. Is that right? Yes. Dad, growing up, did your family attend church? Uh, my dad never set foot in church except one time to watch me in a Christmas parade. Parade. But, program. I mean, a program. <laughs> and uh, my mother made sure that uh, my brother that was two years older than me and I were in church every day time the door was open would you describe grandma wyatt as a godly woman i think she was 
Absolutely. He was an absolute staunch Christian uh, and enjoyed church and understood the Bible. And uh, I think one of the funniest things is for her to be so Christian-like when the preacher would come visit, she would hide her spit cup, which she dipped <laughs> snuff, and she would hide that in the closet uh, before he came in the door. For, for those that are listening, can you explain what snuff is? <laughs> well, I think uh, it's a form of tobacco, and it's powder. Uh, as a matter of fact, she told a story back years and years ago that uh, she – stuck her finger at the age of five years old, stuck her finger in a her grandmother's snuff can and put it in her cheek, and it tasted like honey, and she was stuck at from then on. five years old. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. What um, At what age do you think you first heard the gospel? For me to, um, to realize... I was probably 10. Not understood it, but heard it. Oh, I'm sure I heard it when I was five years old. So you heard it five years old. What What about you, Dad? Probably five to seven, yeah. 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 And, and you feel like at about 10, you began to understand the gospel. Yes, yeah. yes. Dad, what at what age do you feel like you may have understood the gospel? Probably... Uh, not like I understand it now, but probably 12 years old, 11 years old, maybe. In what age, Mom, would you say you first believed the gospel? Twelve. Yeah. Dad? Uh, maybe, maybe 11, 12, probably. And would, have been, would it have been that time that you were baptized? Were you baptized upon believing the gospel then, or did your baptism happen later? Mine happened later. Yeah. Um, our pastor at Cumberland Drive at the time, uh, we had a revival. We had a, a preacher come in from somewhere. I, I don't know where. Um, and they came to visit and sat with us and talked, and I accepted Jesus right there. But it was a couple of years later before I was baptized. Yeah. At that same church, that same preacher performed our wedding ceremony. Yeah. Um, you, can I tell you something funny? Sure. Uh, Crossland Avenue Baptist Church was recently giving away some of their pews. And I was going to get a pew for you for Christmas. But I thought all you guys would do would complain about us cluttering up your basement. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to get a pew from the church you were baptized in, but I didn't do it because oh. I, I just wow. thought, yeah, I just thought, yeah, you guys are just going to complain about me cluttering up your. I could have put it at where my 12, bench is 12, right 12, now. Twelve foot long. Twelve foot long. Yeah, it's a long. Pew. It would fit. Yeah. It would fit. Yeah, go get it. You were you baptized? But you weren't baptized in that church. You were yes. baptized in the creek. No, no, okay. I was baptized in the, church. in the church. Okay, Dad, when 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 were you baptized? Uh, at the age of twelve in the creek. Yep. What creek? Uh, I almost said uh, uh, Yellow Creek, but it was uh, off Highway Thirteen, about 
three miles to the left as you're going to Aaron, turn left. I can't think of the road, but uh, it's, the creek is still there. What, um, what stage of life, this question came in from Diana. What stage of life have you trusted God the most in? Stage or age? What stage of life? I mean, you can tell me what age you were, but what season of life, looking back, have you trusted God the most in? When I was pregnant with Diana. Okay. How so? We had tried for several years to have children, maybe six or so years, and never could uh, become pregnant. And I think she and I both prayed at that time to uh, please let it happen. And that's probably what she was saying. She answers for me sometime, and I answer for her sometime. Is he in the ballpark? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's awesome. What, um, uh, when, when you guys got married, you spent most of your church days as a couple. Where? Where'd you attend church as a couple? At, we went to Cumberland Drive Baptist, then was on the bypass. Yeah. So, so it moved from Crossan Avenue over to Cumberland right. on the bypass. Right. And so that's where we were going. After Diana was born, um, probably before she was a year old, we moved from there to First Baptist Church. And you were members at First Baptist there? From that point until real life started. How many years? How many years would that have been? Uh, 40, 40. 40 to 45. So you attended First Baptist Church for over 40 years. Yes. Yeah, what an amazing journey. I'm so thankful that you guys leaned into help us start real life after being at one church for 40 plus years. That was a no brainer. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, dad, when you guys, uh, when, at at what point in the journey did you engage in the wholesale business? It was in the seventies. Uh, what were you doing before the wholesale business immediately before? Uh, had a, uh, Two or three quick shops or convenience stores the, called Sack Sa- and Pack. Market. Okay, so Sack and Pack started before the wholesale business. Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. us about Sack and Pack. Uh, well, working at several grocery stores growing up, that's uh, I, I became pretty uh, knowledgeable of what goes on and how to run one. So uh, it was just natural to go to the bank, borrow money, and build a convenience store. Yeah. Okay. All right. How many Sack and Packs? We had three. You, you said we. Who was the we? I say we, me and her, and I had a partner uh, at the time. Yep. And how many sack and packs did there end up being in just, town? Just three. Three. Where were they located? Uh, one was built, uh, our first one was uh, we bought uh, this market down on Riverside Drive called Tim Superette, and then we built one. And changed the name. Changed to the name pack. to sack and pack, and uh then went to St. Bethlehem and built one where Freddy's uh, Burger Place is yeah. now. Second Pack was located right there. Yeah, yeah. We had the first Ices in town yeah. and the first deli, uh, like country store deli. Okay. 
Uh, then we went across the river and built one there on the right as soon as you cross the bridge. As soon as you going cross toward, the bridge. Sack and Pack was right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And knocked a home run there. That was a one of the that was the best store in town as far as convenience stores. And, and then we went to over in front of Lincoln Homes and and uh, uh, had a sack of pack. So there. that would be four. One, yeah, yeah. Well, we had, yeah. That's right. That's right. What are you gonna say, Mom? But only three at a time. Okay, so you let go of the one on Riverside. At some point in time. Yeah. 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 What I, I don't remember the one on Riverside. I only remember the St. B, the Lincoln Homes, and the Cross yeah. the River one. Yeah. What um, was Second Pack a success? Yeah. 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 While yeah. you were do while you were running these, uh, what would you call them? Like, what, what would you call a second pack? They're a convenience store. Little convenience store. Yeah. Did you have gas stations at each of them? We did. Okay. Um, while you were doing that, you got into the wholesale. Yeah, we sort of figured that uh, we you know, we've got three stores we buy supply yourself supply ourselves and yeah. and continue to, to supply other stores around and uh, so we opened up Tennessee Valley Wholesale and we was uh, you and a couple of partners yeah exactly okay. and uh, I don't know how long we stayed in business maybe three years or something just like three that. years Tennessee Valley Wholesale yeah yeah and what would you say that didn't go as well as you hoped. What what would you say was the missing ingredient there? Well, I think uh, I'm fairly intelligent, but there was some things that we, no matter how hard we worked, we couldn't combat. Uh, Such as? We had several hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory in the warehouse. Uh, we needed to have some money to buy Beanie Weenies with or, or M&M Mars candy with and everything was tied up over there in seed potatoes or whatever so that was crippling there trying to just too much inventory not the right stuff well it was it it was but again we started out on nine percent money at barn at the bank and ended up paying 20 and a half percent unemployment uh was in double digits like 13 percent gas went up 50 cents a gallon and we were delivering to surrounding counties Minimum wage jumped fifty cents an hour, and our sales were great. The margin of profit wasn't quite there, so uh, I th- said it was time to shut it down. Yeah, and I always said we grew too fast. So it was a success early on. You grew, and then it, and then everything changed. Right. Yeah. Right. With the wholesale. Yeah. Were, were you yeah, helping, yeah. Mom? No. No, okay. I wasn't a part of that. She did a lot of work for the stores, though. Yeah, yeah, for Sack and Pack. Yeah. You were involved in helping with Sack and Pack. Mm-hmm. At what point in time did you start Central Station, the restaurant? Uh, Was it after the wholesale? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, so so you had Sack and Pack. Yeah. You got into wholesale three years, shut that down. Yeah. Then started Central Station? Mm-hmm. And how would you, de- Mom, how would you describe Central Station? It was a, a neat little corner, uh, like a malt stand, like a, a fast food restaurant. Yeah. Um, what was the specialty? A shorty burger. Okay. Named after your dad. <laughs> it was like a crystal burger. Right. And we named it Shorty Burger. How many years did you have Central Station? Uh, four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. And did you run it? I did at, at one point. Yeah. Um, that we really needed somebody in there that was watching over everything. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, w- one of the times you couldn't you couldn't trust a lot of people sure. to yeah do things the way you wanted them done, and I did run it for about two years. Okay, but you and, guys did that together, sort of. Well, he was at the store most of the time, which okay. was right across the corner. Yeah, right. And I was at Central Station. Yeah. Um, and at that time is when I decided if I was going to work, that I would go back to work where I had retirement and yeah. had yeah. Uh, security. Stability. So that's when I checked to see if there were any openings and went back to work. At, at the, the phone telephone. company? Yeah. yeah, and I had worked there for 10 years, so when I went back, it was like my 11th year, just went right on. So I was able to work another 10 years and retire. Okay, okay. So. Telephone company was a good experience for you all oh, in all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, uh, did you guys sell Central Station to someone? We uh, shut it down. They closed the bridge there. And it rerouted all of the uh, wow. people away from us to go down and circle Shoney's and go Why'd to they McDonald's. Shut it down? Were they working on it? Yeah, they, yeah. They building a new, a new bridge. Wow. And so that really devastated it. And, yeah, wow. Uh, wow. you know, we had the burgers uh, like Burger King, had ice cream like Dairy Queen, had McDonald's fries. Yeah. and. Yeah. It was had, good. Had, it was, yeah, so it was good. real good. Yeah, yeah, it should be still open now. But uh, you know, again, you know, it it wasn't our it wasn't our fault that it shut down. So when you shut that down, you got the sack and packs. What's going through your mind? You you tried the wholesale, had to shut it down. You did the restaurant. It was great. The bridge, they yeah, knocked the bridge yeah, out. Yeah. What's going through your mind? Uh. keep trudging forward is all I could do. You know, I had uh, children and, and, uh, uh, we had a lifestyle that we liked certainly better than from our humble beginnings. And, uh, I had no other choice, but, uh, to succeed or try to succeed. Yeah. So you were working really, really hard and in your success, you adopted a lifestyle, but then you had setbacks. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. So why didn't you just, you know, did, did you scale back lifestyle a little bit? Sure. We had to. Like, yeah. What, yeah. What did that look like? Uh, well, we, we, uh, we had a big old custom built house and, and, uh, we sold it. Was that hard for you? Sure. It was it's hard for you kids. It so wasn't sure. hard for me. It well, was exciting. It, it was, <laughs> I mean, like I, for me, it was always like new, like I was excited about the new, I was sad. But I was always excited to look at the new. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I look at that. I, I sell that place, moved to another place, yeah. and didn't like it there. Moved back to the old neighborhood, which made us uh, happier, and uh, kept on working. But I was in the insurance business at that time. Yeah. Well, hang on. Selling the house that you custom built, was that hard for you, Mom? Yes. What house? Uh... Um. Well, I felt like you were 10 at the time, I yeah, think. Yeah. And I felt like we'd been there 10 years. Had great neighbors. That was, we did. Uh, a great, you all had great friends there. Yeah. And was the brass tax of it, we couldn't afford the house? Needed to sell it, make some money? I mean, was right. that? Yes. Well, the, yes. the warehouse deal, when I shut it down, sold the truck, sold the goods, sold the shelving, sold everything, yeah. I personally took 
$170,000 dead horse debt wow. home with me wow. that I owed the bank. Yeah. I could have went bank, went bankrupt, but I didn't because I borrowed the money in good faith and I was going to pay it back in good faith. Yeah. And so, you know, there I go and wake up every morning with a cross tie on my chest of financially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was a godsend that she got back to work at the telephone company. Sure. And, uh, but because of that, you had to sell the house, move into something smaller, more manageable. Yeah. Make some money on the sale of the house. Yep. Am I understanding that right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yep. So it was sad for you. Yes. I mean, this was difficult, difficult. It, it was because we had, uh, Picked out everything in the house, yeah. decorated everything in the house. I felt like raised the kids, you kids yeah, in the I house. I was 10 years old. You were 10, so, yeah. yeah. And I just felt like we were letting you down. Oh, interesting. As far as ourselves. Interesting. Um, it was hard looking yeah. Yeah. F- to find another place. And yeah. uh, Where was God in all of this? in terms of in your mind and heart? Were you close to the Lord during this season? Were you far from the Lord? Were you more focused on work? Where was... I don't think I was close to the Lord I think, at all. I think we were focused on uh, treading water and digging out. We didn't fall on our knees and pray. Uh, I think uh, the good Lord was in the, in the distance yeah. at that time. Yeah, or he felt that way anyways. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I felt that way. Yeah. What were you going to say, Mom? He wasn't in a distance. Sure. Because he walked with us through all of that. Right. And there were definitely benefits in in the move and in the next move. And What would be, so you found yourself, you had three kids. One was a teenager. One was 10 years old. One was 12 years old. You're in the house that you built. You've had some success and you've had some setbacks. And the Lord, you were not close to the Lord. Right. right. What would be your advice and counsel to, to a young family? They're working hard. They've got big dreams. They're, they've got aspirations. Their kids are involved in activities. Um, give, give some wisdom and counsel so they don't experience that what would you say what could have what could have made the difference for you in that season well in that season is when you need the lord the most when you feel like you can do it on your own that's not ever going to happen if you're not close and i think maybe had i been seeking god more that it would have all been easier even though we felt like it was a setback. Um, so just don't take your eyes off Jesus. Yeah. Practically, what does that mean? That means stay in the Word yeah. every day yeah. and seek God to get you through those times. Don't <laughs> depend on yourself. Yeah, You've used the word season a lot in the pulpit and in, in our community group. It's it's there. Uh, and the age of being 36 years old and, and, and trying to get through the issues that we had, had we been 70-something years old, we'd be on our knees. Does that make sense? Why? Because I think 
our Christianity has grown and gotten stronger, and and we believe more in prayer now than we ever have. And I think we're put in uh, 79 years of age. It, there's a reason that I'm still healthy, and we're going to find out what it is. God's not done with you, huh? Nope. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I love... I love how Jesus uses all these agricultural images to describe the Christian life. You know, um, agriculture, what does that mean? Yeah, well, he talks about like on a farm, you might plant a seed. Okay. That then grows. Gotcha. gotcha. Right? Yep. And yep. Um, he talks about, you know, um, how the kingdom, it's like a seed, right, that grows, right? And so when when trees grow, it's very slow. It's a very slow growth process, right? right. And and, th- and that's what I'm hearing you say is, well, now as a 70-year-old, I've matured in my faith in a way that I wasn't in my 40s. That no, is, no question. Yeah. That's right. What? Um, <clears throat> so, this, so then this next season then, so you sell this house, we move into a new house, into a new neighborhood. Uh, was it about this time you started in the insurance? Yeah, or, yeah like, pretty what, much. <clears throat> I think one of the ironic things about us moving from the house we built into another house was that we bought it from our pastor, Dennis Newkirk. Yeah, yeah. How about that? And that may have been a godsend right there that we just put a new light on living in our pastor's house. Yeah. That's got to be an interesting experience moving into your pastor's house. <laughs> that's cool. Um, I like, yeah, I, that's a good little part, part of the story. Uh, dad, how did you get into the insurance business? Oh, uh, at that time, you got an uh, insurance. though before we sold the house, <clears throat> but it was kind of, was About it kind of, all, it was kind it of was, all in that story, yeah, that per, season. Yeah. Pretty that much. season. He yep. got into insurance. Sold the house. I went back to work. Yep. Sold yep. the house. Yeah. All in. Yeah. All in one season. Yeah. How did you get into insurance? Uh, at that time, I had no money to invest. Uh, I had nothing, nothing to begin a new business, whether it would be this, that, or whatever. And you couldn't borrow because you're already one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Well, in debt. yeah, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. And uh, uh, it, it was a. I had nothing. You know, the only thing I had was my so-called God-given talent, and uh, uh, to talk. I guess yeah. to talk. Yeah. 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 I met I met a man the other day uh, <laughs> looking at signs for the building, Mister Harrison. He said he said you always knew Freddie was going to do all right if he could get into something he could talk talk with. You know, <laughs> as long as he'd be talking, he could work his way through it. What? Well, um, whatever. So, okay, so here you are. The the wholesale's gone gone under. Yep, yep. You sold Central Station. Yep. Um, you, you've you've got to do something. Yep. You've got three kids. Yep. You're downsizing. Yep. Yep. Um, you and you've got the whole world in front of you. Yep. How did you decide insurance? Uh, I had a good friend uh, that was the principal owner of Man and Smith Insurance, Walton Smith Jr. He and his dad. And he and I played golf together, and they probably had the most successful agency in town. And uh, I used to be an insurance inspector back years ago. 
uh, and I talked to a few insurance people that I knew, and uh, I thought maybe I could sell insurance. But uh, once I got into it, uh, you know, I could break up a cocktail party. But what are you doing now, Freddie? Well, I'm selling insurance. And boy, before you know it, I was standing there by myself. <laughs> Why is that? Well, just, you know, who wants to talk to an insurance person? Yeah. You know? They've already got their insurance. Well, either or... that or they don't want to be sold any. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. But yeah. no, but anyway, uh, through the grace of God, the uh, agency was a, a real nice agency. Uh, I went to work on commission only, no salary, no draw. You know, how in the world I made it through with three children, a wife, and five cars, so Walton, five oil changes. Walton Smith Jr. <laughs> Walton Smith Jr. gave you an office, a desk, and a phone. Yep. Yep. Uh, you had to get licensed. Yep. So you yep. had to go to school. Yep. How old were you when you go to get licensed? Uh, in your 40s? I, I think I changed careers and got in the insurance business when I was 40. Okay. So you're having to study yep. to get an insurance license right, at right, age 40. Right. You didn't graduate from college. You studied at Austin P for a couple of years. Right, but, right. So now you're going back to school of sorts. Yep. Learning it. Yep. Did you have to pay for that? Yep. Okay. Yep. So you pay for these licensures, pay for the school, you pass your test. Yep, yep. And then you go, you go, you go to work and you sit at this desk in yep. this office with a phone. Yep. What's next? What do you do? Uh... Who you call? Generally speaking, the, it, my Diana and Christy are in dance. Mm-hmm. Christy plays a little sports. Mm-hmm. I play all the all the sports. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We well, as as commission sales go, yep. you can you can have a windfall one week, one month, or yep. and then you can have a dry spell. Yeah. And uh that's where her income came in. It kept food on the table. Yeah. And uh but uh I got I got pretty good at what I was doing. Do you remember your first sell? Uh I do. Who who I do. What, where was it? It was set up. Somebody set it up for you? Yeah. Well how what do you mean it was set up? Uh I think my friend Walton said, Come on, let's uh, see how we do. So we went out to this uh beer joint in New Providence. And he'd already alerted the owner. And uh, so I was supposed to do this so-called sales pitch to this owner about buying some insurance. And he was an educated man. Uh, I'm not going to talk about who he was, but he was a very unique personality. And I think Walton had his business as uh, one, one of his clients. And, yeah, yeah. and anyway, uh, as I was talking to him about insurance he said you know fred he said i don't believe that i'm gonna buy any insurance but i wanna i wanna buy some on my stepson i said well, okay so i got my app out my pencil out and i was ready to go and uh he said because he's got a a motorcycle and i just don't believe he's gonna make it well, I just, I don't know what I thought. But anyway, I kept writing. He gave me the first month premium insurance. and To insure and, his stepson's motorcycle? No, no, no. Oh. The kid. You only the kid. Life insurance. Life insurance. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time, yeah. Okay. So All anyway, right. uh, so I leave and Walton said, isn't that the easiest $600 you ever made? I said, how much? 
So yeah. Did you think you had made more than six hundred? No, no, no. Oh, I had no glad. idea. I had no okay. idea. I had okay. no idea. But it all worked out. But and, it was set up in the sense that it was it Walt, was done before you got there. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yep. Walton was just setting you up for success. That's exactly right. Yeah. I don't know about success, but but I was successful. Uh, I believed in what I was doing. I took the attitude of I can make a living if I work hard enough, and and be able to help people too. So that yep. that. If you had to guess how many people you called over the years, like new people, individual, not, 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 I called this person five times, mm-hmm, but how mm-hmm. many different people you had to call to talk to on the phone or set up an appointment with, if you just had to take a wild guess, how many would you say? Oh, over a thousand. Yeah. Well over a thousand. Well over a thousand. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, but, but you picked it up. You developed a good business. I yep, remember you yep. coming home saying, like, <laughs> you would get excited about something that you were about to close a deal. Yeah. And sometimes you get excited before you close the deal and talk about a deal before you close it. And you never closed it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uh, that that's that's me being optimistic, I suppose. Uh, that's a mark of a good leader, optimism. Well, maybe. Don't count your chickens before yeah, they hatch. Yeah. I remember... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You, how okay. many? I mean, you you were super successful in the insurance agency, but you had to be to raise your family and pay off your debt. Oh yeah, it was. There was always that uh, pressure of getting the job done and getting it done right, uh, and being successful. Uh, and I remember one occasion, your sister Christy and I were in the truck driving up uh, Wilma Rudolph Boulevard, and it was around christmas time i think she said you know dad from the back seat she said you know dad said if we were rich said uh, i would like to go buy that blue bicycle at sears <laughs> well you're talking about choking the steering wheel yeah and crocodile tears yeah they came home with the blue bicycle yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure now you've always been so so generous and such a great provider um but it 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 proved out to be a, a successful career. Uh, I'd made uh, one incentive trips, which that means you've been a good producer with an insurance company or an excellent producer. Yeah. I won incentive trips every year I, that I was with uh, Man and Smith Insurance, and I had, and I opened my own agency and so forth. How grateful are you to Walton Walton Smith Jr. Um, very, but he always liked being his own boss. So he decided to go out on his own and open an insurance agency. Yeah. So the big, kind of the big corporate came in and bought out Man Smith and Cummings. Yeah. Yeah. Is that kind of, and then after that, dad, dad wanted a more personal touch. Yes. Kind of be his own boss. Yes. Well, so you launched they, out they, and bought your own agency. They were a big, bought two big different company. agencies and put them together. Called it the and White named Group. it the White Group. Yep, yep. Moved that. That was down on Riverside Drive for yep. the longest time, and then you sold the White Group to Baxter Fish and Samuels. BFS Insurance. Yep. Trained up your son-in-law a little bit. Yep. Passed it on to him. Sold that. You worked with them for a short time. Yep. Yep. And now today, you work part time at the funeral home, McReynolds, Navin, Larson. 
sell them pre-arranged? Uh, pre-arranged funerals. It takes a licensed, credentialed insurance person to do that. And uh, there's not a better person in Clarksville than Mr. Ed Larson. He lets me work when I want to. What a great man. Ooh. Ed Larson, when I surrendered to the ministry when I was 18 at, at church camp, uh, you guys probably know this, but I responded during the altar call, and Ed was a chaperone on that trip. He didn't usually go as chaperones on the trip, but I think Risa you know, got him to go on this when we were in Mobile, Alabama. So they looked over, and they matched me up with Ed, and Ed took me in the back to counsel me the moment that I decided to go into the ministry. Did you know that? I did not know that. <laughs> I knew that uh, Risa Larson and 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 Ed were very influential in your Christian upbringing, and it certainly wasn't me. Yeah. Ed was there the day affirming me when I said, I think God's calling me to ministry. And wow. He was the man that was matched up with me to go in the back and talk and pray about it. He tries to nurture me and uh, even now. You guys have a good time, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, one of the things we haven't talked about, you know, just as we kind of wrap up our time here, um, you talked about Diana and how the Lord caused, you know, you were in this season of trusting the Lord with, with her. Did you know after Diana that you wanted more kids? Oh, yeah. Did you guys know you wanted three kids? Did you have a number of no, kids that you wanted? No, I wanted two. You wanted two kids, right? but you wanted no, a boy? He wanted a boy. It didn't matter if it was sure. one or two or three. Right. So after Christy was born. You got, you got pregnant with Christy. Right. Okay. Christy was born, and at that time, uh, the spouse could not be in delivery. Oh. The doctor came out and told you what you what sex you had. So we came out of the what delivery What the gender of the room. baby was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there is a clear That's gender. That's a word. Right. There is a clear gender of a baby when a baby That's, is born. Uh, They're God-given gender. Yes. Okay. We came out, and I wheeled out at the same time with the doctor, and he looked at Freddie and said, it's a girl. Yeah. That was the first he knew it was a girl. And he said to the doctor, we'll see you in nine months. Christy, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And 13 months later, you were born. (laughs) 13 months later. Yeah. Christy was my hero growing up. We were so close in age. Christy is grounded grounded yes what do you oh grounded meaning stable and rational and exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. right in between two wild ones. wild ones oh yeah. is that that's yeah. the way it is yeah. yeah um okay so don and christy say that i was the goal so you told the doctor i'll see you again in nine months and it was 13 months later yes and here we come what do you remember about christy's birth anything in particular um that i called the doctor and said my water's broke, and I'm ready to go to the hospital. And the doctor said, uh, that baby doesn't wash out. Your pains are going to have to get closer together. So when my pains got closer together, I didn't call the doctor back. I just went to the hospital. Okay. And an hour later, she was born. There you go. And the doctor said, you know, if I hadn't been here for somebody else, that I would have missed the birth. And I said, well, the nurse was very capable. Yeah. Yeah. What do you remember about my birth? Anything in particular? Did you get a Coke on the way to the hospital? I got a Coke on the way. Not, yeah. Yeah. Coca-Cola on the way to the hospital. We, uh, we left home. I've stayed at home until my pains were close together. We left home 
and there was a little market between our house and uh, the hospital that had a Coke machine out front. Davenport's Market. And I said, stop and get me a Coca-Cola because I won't be able to have anything once I get there. Yeah. So we stopped. Just y'all two in the car? Just y'all two? Just us in the car. And I had called my mom and dad before we left home. And so when we got to the hospital, they were there waiting for us. And it was an easy birth. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) What? uh, Okay, so here we are. Now you've got. You've got three adult children. Yes. What was the biggest challenge of shifting from being authorities in your kids' lives to advisors in your adult children's lives? What was the biggest challenge in transitioning to parenting adults, being the parents of adults? And what advice might you give to somebody? Where, where where do you where do you feel like you've done well? Where do you feel like maybe you haven't done well? What kind of advice would you give to a parent who's parenting adults? I think as a parent, uh, we did some great things, evidently, thank God, and I think we did some poor things. Uh, one of the best things that I think we did was when we were breaking bread at dinner time, we would always ask of your of of your of our children about their day. We 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 wanted you all to talk about your day and how it went, what went wrong, what went good, etc. We, so, were a, we were a very tight-knit family. Yep, yep. We and, shared lots and lots of love together. Yep. Always felt accepted. Always felt like my yep. voice mattered in our home. What Everybody um, had each other's back. Yep. What about when we became adults? How did you make that transition of, okay, I've been their authority for 18, 21, 24 years, and now they're adults. Now I'm not their authority I'm their advisors. Was that a hard transition for you? I don't think it was hard. I think uh, your mother probably did it better than I did. Uh, She stayed out of the way. She let you all make the decisions that you made as young adults and into your married life. And that's one of her uh, better attributes is staying out of, the kids' business. Do you feel like you did a good job with that, Mom? I do. How, did it come easy, or did you have to bite your tongue? <laughs> yeah, it? she bit her tongue. <laughs> well, I probably, um, I probably said more at times than I should have, as far as giving advice, but didn't realize um, that I was doing that uh, until, like, I shouldn't have said that, or sure. Uh, um, I feel like it was easy. Why is it? Why has it been hard for you, or hard? Why was it harder for you? It was it hard for you because he's yeah. controlling. Yeah, no, I'm not controlling. I just had no, uh, <laughs> you know, what could other than my uh, forty? Well, other than my years of maturing. No one, I didn't have the upbringing. I didn't have 
someone that was going to make sure my homework was done. I didn't have anybody to to do this, to do that, to do, you know, I hate to say it, but I feel like I'm a self-made man. I hope I'm a man, but uh, it I didn't have anything to look back on to gather from. Well, I remember you telling me growing up all the time, I didn't have a dad, you know, when, yeah, you know, I, yeah. when I was 14 or when I was 16, you know, I didn't have a dad when I was your, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's but the, you don't think there's any truth to what mom just said that, You've got a controlling tendency. Uh, you don't think there's any truth to that? I think all of that is lessened now yeah, than yeah, it yeah. used to be. So, so some truth. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll give her yeah. a little bit of that. Do you feel like that that t- tendency is what maybe was what made it more challenging for you? You said mom was really good at it. Yeah. You feel like that controlling tendency made it more difficult for you to transition to being an advisor instead of an authority? If you think I have a controlling tendency, then the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, Dad, what advice would you give to a parent who might be struggling to transition? You know, you've got a parent adults differently than you parent yeah, children, yeah, yeah, right? You've yeah. got to relate to your children differently when they're adults than when they're children. What advice would you give to a parent who now they wake up, it all happens so fast and their children is, you know, their child is 25 years old. Yeah. What advice would you give them? Um, probably talk to mom. <laughs> Talk yeah, to mom. Yeah, yeah, Ask mom for advice. Yeah, go see your mother. Go see your mother. Uh, I think I think if you can do the best you can to be there for them, but then back up and be out of their way. Yeah, let them make the mistakes that they're going to make. Hopefully, they're not dreadful or or terrible. Yeah, or life changing mistakes. But uh, you know, I remember having to say I'm sorry. Oh, I apologize. I remember saying those words mm-hmm. to my three children probably more than any parent has ever. I think that's really great advice. That's really great advice. Be willing to say I'm sorry. Yep. That's really great advice. Well, when 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 you've said the wrong things or done the wrong things, it's time to apologize. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Okay. Uh we're wrapping up here. You guys ready for this? Thank goodness. Uh mom, what? What would you say is dad's greatest accomplishment? Probably marrying me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, It's over. (laughs) So that is the obvious, right? Right. That's the obvious obvious accomplishment. In addition to. He never gives up. He always perseveres. Mm. Um, I'm reading a book right now titled Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. Old people used to call that grit and substance. I'm reading a book titled Grit right now, yep. and it's the subtitle has the word you just mentioned. Did it remind you of your dad? I'm, ju- I'm just like three, pa- three, four pages in. But yeah, I think, that's what, I think that's why I'm drawn to those concepts. I think that's the way, I, I think that's the reason I value those things is it was the water I swam in. You know, it's just the air I breathed. It's just what I saw. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any other way, you know, and I didn't know the severity of it when I was in it. But, you know, as I've accumulated an understanding of what was going on, 
you know, I, you know, it's just, it's hard for me not to follow in that, in that way. Yeah. He never gave up. Yeah. yeah. He always moved so forward. Good. So good. Um, yeah. but I think us being together and suffering through it together yeah. made both of us stronger. Yes. So good. So good. Dad, what would you say mm. is mom's greatest accomplishment? I think, uh, I think from whence we've come, is that proper? Sounded, sounded, sounded okay, didn't it? Yeah. I am smarter than people think I am. Uh, I think she's the, the glue that has kept all of our lives and the kids' lives together the thread, if you will, that, uh, or the safety net, if you will, uh, the, the, in the manner in which she reared you all and the manner that she is living today is just superior. How many grandchildren do you have, mom? Nine. Give me their names and ages. Good luck with that. Wyatt, 23, Patton, 19, Trevor, 18, Jack, Mm -hmm. 17 as of christmas eve almost 17 um elliot and lily 14 close they just turned 15 15 (laughs) gosh hudson 14 i don't know hudson might be 15 student minister clay is over on the soundboard djing and he said 15 15 15 for hudson Hudson's already 15. That's what Clay said. No, that's not right. He thinks so. He thinks so. Um, Two more. Emmett, 11. Parker, 11. All right, Dad, I want you to describe Diana with one word. Your daughter, Diana, your oldest. One word. Mom, Diana, one word. Organized. Boisterous. Christy, one word. Grounded. Steady. Me, one word. <laughs> uh, you're more than one word. Now you got one word. <laughs> one word, one word. Encouraging. Loyal. What do most people get wrong about you, Mom? What do they get wrong about you? That I'm feisty. <laughs> what, do, what do most people get wrong about you? I don't know. Dad, what do most people get wrong about you? I think if I had to guess, it would be something on the order of uh, the manner of my speech, the words that I say, the stories that I tell, uh, is this guy for real? Yeah, but because what, you're so jovial? 
Uh, Is that what you yeah, mean? Well, I, you know, sitting here. Because you're I, such yeah. a jokester? Well, I'm not a jokester or well, a prankster. Tell, you tell but, a lot of jokes. Well, history, you know, you go through history like we have, you're going to yeah. learn some jokes. What but do you mean, it's true. are you real? Is this guy real? Yeah. How sincere is he? Why, why do you think that they... Well, because if, you, if, you, if you're if you making people smile yeah. or you tell yeah. something for real that's yeah. funny, yeah. before you know it, you you know, that's yeah. a light side. Does this yeah. guy have a is serious there, is side? Is there substance That's right. This? Exactly. Yep. yep. Okay. What's one story that we should have told on the podcast today? What's What's the one story that we should have told? I personally think that I shared this with our community group and you had mentioned it a little bit about what season of our life did we uh, get closer to God, etc. And I'm saying the, the last few short years, it's been, I've been closer to God. Uh, the community group, the real life church family, uh, is so different from any other church family that I've ever been around. They are real. They are loyal. They are friendly and they are in church to be fed. And you can see that you can believe that, you know, uh, your experience in the community group has stretched your faith. Yeah, yeah, and you. and the church itself. I, I think it's a prayingest church that I've ever been around in my life. In the in the and the for real church, uh, there's no put-ons there at all that I have seen or felt. Well, the church and, is a hospital for sinners, so there's plenty of you know everybody's at a different season. But you've experienced something life-giving, fresh. Oh, yeah, yeah alive. absolutely. Yeah. I think. Uh, when you were in Vanderbilt ICU, uh, the screen porch was lit up by sunshine coming through the screen, and I probably prayed more than than I ever have. And a few real lifers called me up, talked to me on the phone. Very, very encouraging. Jeff Stansberry, uh, Chuck Colwell, uh, Carl Wall, and later... Jim Biter, Betty Bernard. There, there's just so many that I could continue to mention. Sonny Strange. Yeah. All of my new Christian friends. Yeah, yeah. So, but that story of grieving, hurting, there was a peace that came through, and it was almost like a shroud angel wings coming through that screen, mm-hmm. sunshine mm-hmm. hitting me in the face. Would you say my sickness turned out to be one of the most spiritually impacting experiences you've had? 
your spiritual journey. I wish I could have said it that way. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Mom, <laughs> anything on the podcast that should yep. have been said today? Any story that you feel like is fun, serious, striking? What'd we miss? Nope, I don't have anything. Well, listen, it's hard in a couple of hours to scratch the surface of your lives. It's laughable to even try. But I'm so honored that you you let us. So thankful for DJ Daniel Cox and Clay Knight giving their morning to letting your story be told. Uh, They've been super generous with their time today. And um, I just want to tell you I love you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you as parents. Um, I uh, to whom much is given, much is required. That's what Jesus said. And I feel like in giving you to me as my parents, he requires much of me. Um, the way you've loved me, the way you've provided for me, the way you've guided me, um, I will forever be thankful. I'll never be able to pay it back. Um, but I do want to say thank you. I love you. And thanks for being on the podcast. Today. I love you. Yeah. I'll tell you how much it costs. <laughs> Why don't you? Uh, I think we're wrapped up. No, I think we're no, wrapped up, no, no. and I think we can come back another day. No, I want to mention one thing. All right, uh, time is ticking. You know, you've asked all of these personal questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a statement to you and Clay while he's here. Here's the final, the final. And when you're in the pulpit, Clay or myself, either one. DJ any, Daniel Cox any, will be pre- up there any preacher, we're done any preacher that's got a PhD or got a reverend by his name, it doesn't matter. It's not Jesus. He did. It's not Abraham. He did. Yes. Get the word he out of your vocabulary if you're in the pulpit. Yeah, just take it out. Yeah, every time I hear it, I go, "Oh man, he." The word he. After it's a double pronoun. I mean, what what's it called? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, uh, not a dangling participle. I'll get it right in a minute. Well, if you've listened to this but, whole podcast, you'll remember that when Big Freddie, the real Freddie Wyatt, was 12 years old, he told the church he wanted to be a Baptist preacher or a professional baseball player. So it's not too late for him to answer the call that God perhaps was speaking to him as a 12 year old. So so if you see him on Sunday and you made it this far in the podcast, all three of you. Uh, encourage Big Freddie that he, he, Big Freddie, he could get in the pulpit and um, model for the rest of us how, how, how to preach with grammatical accuracy. I do believe in miracles, but that miracle will never happen. <laughs> hey, love you guys. Love uh, you. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real, keep it Jesus.